Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and this week we are talking about, finally, Avatar Book 3, Fire. How exciting. <laughs> I said that I was going to get through all of the seasons before the live-action series came out, and here we are. Though, sadly, I will not be able to cover the live-action season for a little bit, because I have three weeks of Dune to do. We, we, will, uh, we will get to it eventually. I do have some worries about the, the live-action series. Uh, it's been talked to death by now, but you know some of the changes that they're making is kind of pulling the heart and soul of the Avatar The Last Airbender series kind of out of it. But to be fair, I do understand the idea of streamlining the series and making it a little bit more serious than its animated counterpart. Though, on the flip side, some of the changes that they're making do kind of destroy all of the character development that some of these characters uh, went through. For example, the big one is that they are toning down, uh, there's big quotations around there, um, Sokka's sexism, which is kind of the whole lesson that he learns during the Kyoshi island episode which also kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that the the showrunners stated that they also got rid of Aang's kind of wanderlust his his want to goof off and they specifically cite the elephant koi bit as something that they cut which just makes me feel like they just cut Kyoshi Island altogether because both of those things are the same fucking episode, so it, it really feels like they were just like, yeah, fuck Kyoshi Island, I guess. We're almost certainly not getting season two or three, so... Eh. But that, that's kind of where we, we ended up. This season, though, season three, Fire, is probably the season that I remember the most because it is the season that has the most multi-part episodes. It's also the one that you kind of forget a lot of the filler some of the times, except for when the filler's really not great, and we will talk about that. Now, as with the other seasons, I have split up this season into arcs. Now, this season, more than others, I had trouble actually defining the arcs, and I think that's because they had trouble kind of deciding where to put stuff and what to do. So, the opening four episodes I've labeled as the Fire Nation arc, even though they kind of move away from that almost immediately, to be honest. After that, it's a mixture of filler, context, filler, spooky, filler. Then we have the Black Sun episode, which is a two-parter, which on Netflix is just a, a single 45-minute episode. Then we have the Zuko arc, where Zuko joins the group and whatnot. That is technically another four episodes, though there's yet another two-parter within that uh, that little arc. Then we have the last filler of the series, and then the final episode, Sozin's Comet. So th that's kind of how I've how I've labeled it. We'll go into more detail as we go along as to why I classified certain things as filler, and other things I've kind of tipped away from filler status. But let's get started with episode one, The Awakening. 
this is a bit of a time skip uh, episode. So they, from the previous events of last season, after Aang was struck by struck by the lightning, he wakes up and it's been a few weeks. Though he's grown hair that would kind of take a couple months to get, at least for me. But yeah, now he he's grown hair. Uh, is very surprised by that fact. Uh, everyone thinks that Aang is dead, and Zuko is welcomed home as a hero and is given credit for the kill. Uh, Aang and crew, at least um, Sokka and crew, are wanting to use Aang as a secret weapon. Because everyone thinks that he's dead, it'll be super easy for him to be a surprise during the Day of Black Sun. Basically, the eclipse where the fire nation will be the weakest but there's a big asterisk to that the black sun is only about eight minutes long and with the fire nation now having taken over the earth kingdom and forces kind of being scattered that it's going to have to be a much smaller invasion they've been palling around on a fire nation ship just kind of puttering about staying incognito but they get pulled over and Aang feels powerless because they force him to hide. And they kind of get uh, pegged as being a stolen ship. The rest of the crew is able to deal with the situation and take down the ship. Well, at least um, a, a sea serpent kind of takes and grabs onto the ship. And then they're able to escape. But Aang decides to uh, leave. He just decides to leave because he's tired of having to stay hidden. He's not able to go ashore to get food with everyone because, he, well, unless he puts on a headband and hides his uh, arrow tattoos. And he does not want to do that. So he gets a bit mad and, and leaves. This is where Katara's kind of plot, because she's been a bit moody around her father the entire episode, and this is kind of where it comes to a head. Where she is mad at her dad, even though she understands that he had to leave, she does not like the fact that he still chose to leave. Uh, and she's kind of reliving that because now Aang has also just left. Uh, Aang goes on a bit of a, I don't know, he just kind of flies around. <laughs> Presumably it's that he's, he, part of his thing is not only does he not want to hide his tattoos, he feels that he has failed the world yet again. You know, a hundred years ago, he disappeared and caused, well, pretty much allowed the war to kick off. Now, he has kind of failed yet again in his task of defeating the Fire Lord. So he feels that he needs to leave himself and go face the Fire Lord alone. And that, I guess, is what he's attempting to do when he leaves, though he is injured and is having a lot of trouble doing that. He ends up encountering uh, Avatar Roku, who kind of says, "Hey, you know, don't don't worry about it too much, man. Like, you're kind of putting a little bit too much oomph in, into this, so just chill a bit." And then Aang ends up washing up on, I believe, I think it's Roku Island. Is what it's called? It's it's the one where the temple was. So Aang comes to the agreement that yeah, he needs to stay hidden and. He, they need to think that the Avatar is dead for now. So, kind of accepts that. And they decide to stay in the Fire Nation for a bit. 
that leads us to episode two, the headband, which is just, it's footloose. So while exploring a fire nation town, the crew decides to go eat something, but that place almost only serves meat. So Aang decides to hang out outside, but part of the clothes that they stole and specifically what he's wearing is a school uniform. So he's taken to the school by some truancy officers and is forced to attend school. But he's actually kind of okay with this because he's able to get some neat information about, you know, the Fire Nation. And also he's able to kind of live a normal kid's life. This is where he eventually learns that uh, dancing is just not a thing for some reason. The kids are fascinated and Aang takes it upon himself to throw them a dance party to show them that, hey, you know, you can express yourself and whatnot. And his whole reasoning behind this is that they are the future of the Fire Nation. So, you know, it's good to help shape them for a, you know, more broad sense of of self. And they do eventually end up helping Aang escape. That's pretty much the A plot in one go. Because they do end up getting caught, but have to uh, flee real fast. And the students all help by donning headbands to distract the the headmaster and whatnot. The B-plot for this episode is uh, Zuko. Zuko's hanging out. He's feeling very uneasy about the fact that he is almost certain that Aang is alive. And his uncle is silent. Now, this is kind of portrayed in the show as the fact that his uncle is very upset with him and is giving him, you know, silent treatment. But in a real-world sense, it's because the voice actor for Uncle Iroh had died. Uh, Zuko ends up going on a date with May, but his sister kind of flexes her power and kind of shoes that off for a bit. But they still, they're dating and they're hanging out. Zuko ends up hiring an assassin to hunt down Aang. He tells the assassin that the Avatar is alive and that he wants him dead. And that plot thread gets dropped for a couple of episodes. <laughs> then we go to episode three, The Painted Lady. So the only note I have for this is Katara wants to help a village, which is pretty much the episode. They come to this fishing village that is set on a lake and notice that the waters around this fishing village are heavily polluted by the neighboring factory. And Katara would like to stay around and, you know, help out, but Sokka is trying to stick to a very strict schedule. So in order to actually assist the village, she ends up setting up a, like a diversion by making Appa look like he's sick, but he just has a bit of a tummy ache, and uses that as an excuse to stay in the area for a bit longer. She ends up helping provide food that she, that she supposedly steals from the neighboring factory. Then she provides medicine. Well, she just kind of goes and heals them. And then and then eventually, when she's getting ready to head out and do another thing, Aang ends up catching her. And the first time when she had delivered the food, she just did it as herself. But when they came back to the town, they had attributed the fortune to their local deity the Painted Lady, so she decided to don the guise of the Painted Lady and go through and help them with that. You know, if there's a local legend, why not use it? Uh, when Aang uncovers the fact that she's the Painted Lady, you know, you think that there's going to be some conflict, but he's like, nah, that's fine, that's pretty cool. 
like of course we should help these people so then she's like okay well if you want to help let's go uh, take out the factory we need to take out the factory so that the water can kind of get better he agrees they do they destroy the factory and but the next day as they're getting ready to leave uh toth and Sokka have uncovered the fact that she's the painted lady but they're like hey damage is done but we need to leave but the little fishing village is now being attacked by the garrison at the factory so they decide to help once again having heard on the guise of the painted lady to intimidate the guards they're able to scare the guards away they then the town is initially mad at her for donning the guise of their local deity but because of the fact that she was actually helping them you know and they're convinced to, you know, shut up. <laughs> like, she was helping you. Then, they all work together to actually clean the, like, lake and, uh, and, and, uh, whatnot. Then, right before they're about to leave, Katara is actually visited by the actual painted lady. It's, it, it's actually one of my favorite episodes, actually, of the season. It, it's a very nice, nice episode. Then, we have what I consider the end of the the Fire Nation arc. Technically, everything is the Fire Nation arc, but this is where it starts going into more filler territory, you know? Where it starts kind of focusing on just side stuff. It's the beach episode. Now everybody loves a beach episode, but this one, personally, for me, sucks. Like, the designs are nice and everything, but but the characterization, like, it works... It's how the characters are, but Zuko and his sister are both just complete assholes. Pretty much the entire episode. I, I feel so sorry for May and Ty Lee the entire time. But the B-plot of the episode is actually kind of something. It's barely there, but it, it's there. It's when the assassin finally attacks. So while they're kind of... While Aang and the gang are just kind of resting, the assassin comes and strikes basically it's because while uh, zuko and co are having a beach day uh ang and the gang are kind of also having a bit of a beach day but ang kind of ends up accidentally being spotted by some fire nation guards who send off a message to to the fire lord but that's intercepted by the assassin and then the assassin you know destroys the letter and proceeds to hunt Aang. They're able to escape uh, after Aang does some some fancy earthbending and they're, they're just able to escape narrowly. That, that's pretty much that. Then episode 6 is the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Now this I have labeled as context. It's not necessarily a filler episode, it's more backstory. This is the episode that explains what happened between the previous Fire Lord, um, Sozen, and uh, Avatar Roku. Uh, both Aang and Zuko are kind of on a bit of a journey to learn the stories of these these two, of what happened. And the, the story is kind of explained. So basically... The Fire Lord and the Avatar were best friends, like they were childhood friends, they grew up together, but as time went on, they grew distant, and as, as they kind of, you know, grew apart, as, you know, Roku was able to kind of get more of a worldly perspective, uh, Sozen just kind of started to 
well, nationalize, essentially. He started to centralize his power and started building, building up to start a war. At the end, they have a, a confrontation, there's a big fight, and it is to, you know, it's to the death and Avatar Roku is, is eventually killed and then the, the war kicks off. But, after that, Zuko then confronts, confronts, confronts uh, Uncle Iroh, who uh, finally speaks in this episode, and he asks, you know, was that supposed to mean that's kind of the history that everyone knew? You know, you said that I needed to know about, you know, my grandfather's death, but my grandfather is still alive at the end of the story. And this is where we learned that Zuko's grandfather on his mother's side is Avatar Roku. So he is the grandson of both uh, Sozen and Avatar Roku. And so now he must deal with that. Then we go to the runaway. It's it's more filler. Basically Toph is running some scans in town using her her ability to kind of see without seeing to pretty much scam the scammers. The assassin pops up to continue hunting them. Uh eventually Toph does get caught, but they then break out. It, it's it's kind of a nothing episode, to be honest. Then episode eight is the Puppet Master. This is one I've labeled as spooky, because it's spooky. Basically, they come across like this you know, witchy-looking woman who takes them in and eventually tells them her tale, that she was a, a waterbender who, who fell into tragedy and had to kind of hide. She is, starts teaching Katara some different, like, waterbending techniques. Kind of the, the dark side of waterbending. You know, instead of using water for, like, healing and whatnot, it's like ripping the water out of living things. And then this kind of culminates in the learning of the bloodbending technique, which Katara then has to turn on her uh, at the end and gets her arrested. Yeah, it, I always remember that episode as being very, very creepy. Then, before we actually start getting back into the meat of the show again, we have one more filler where Aang is pretty much just stressing out about the next episode. He's super stressed out about the the eventual confrontation with the Fire Lord. And so he is kind of in a panic and he has kind of deprived himself of sleep so he starts having kind of waking nightmares and whatnot he's constantly running the scenario of how he's gonna fight the fire lord through his mind and each time he fails he constantly has the anxiety of failing and eventually they are you know the gang are able to get him to sleep finally uh the kind of b plot of the episode is Zuko's just kind of weighing his options after everything, everything that he had learned back in the context episode. But with that, we enter the Day of Black Sun, the first two-parter of this season. So this episode is split into two parts. The first part is a direct follow-up to the previous episode, where, you know, Aang just kind of 
he wakes up. It's invasion day. Things are starting to go. It's mostly most of the episode's preparation, to be honest, actually. Uh, well, most of the first fourth, technically, of this episode is is preparation and them kind of getting ready. Basically, they while Aang and Gang were palling about through the Fire Nation, the actual invasion force has been going around gathering troops. Basically, everyone that um, Aang and Co. have kind of interacted with over the previous seasons. So there's the people who were at the uh, the Air Temple that were you know making weapons for the Fire Nation. There's the Swamp Benders. You know, a, a bunch of people. Most of the episode is them kind of going over their plan and preparing for battle. But we do actually see their charge and attack uh, to the capital of the Fire Nation. But before that, they do, they have to get through a blockade, which is like a fire thing, like a fire net thing, and all their ships are stopped, but they're not planning on going through ships, they're planning on using submarines. As they're about to kind of split up and enact the plan, uh, Katara and Aang have a nice sweet moment where Aang is worried that he might not come back, and so he shares a kiss with Katara before kind of floating away. The invasion begins. It's a big old battle as they're working their way through, fighting their way along. Uh, Sokka and Katara's dad gets injured, and he, he needs to be healed. And Sokka decides to take charge and continue leading the invasion. And Aang is able to make it all the way to the Fire Lord's palace just to find that it's empty. And that is part one. Oh, at the beginning of the, the part as well, Toph does ask Aang if he is going to, you know, go into his Avatar state and, you know, whoop ass. But Aang says no because Azula had, her attack kind of interrupted him and now he's been locked out of the Avatar state. You know, it's something to help uh, give a sense of, of scale and issue. Part two begins with Aang working his way back to his friends as they are kind of pinned down and trying to figure out a strategy. But Aang provides them with the information that the Fire Lord isn't here. They decide that Aang and co. should go and find where the Fire Lord is as they believe that he is almost certainly hiding in like a, you know, an escape tunnel thing. They go and they are able to see that it is underground, that there is like an underground structure, at least Toph is. They go and they are able to indeed confront the Fire Lord. But it's not just Aang deciding to confront the Fire Lord, it is also Zuko who's deciding to also confront the Fire Lord. There's a big fight, but after the eclipse passes, they are forced to kind of retreat as Azula had pushed Aang and, uh, Aang and the gang back. And Zuko had confronted his father, but was not terribly successful. Aang is willing to continue and go back and face the Fire Lord, but he's convinced to not. So they retreat as the Fire Nation is bringing up their new fleet of airships, and even worse, technically air zeppelins. It, they all have to come to the 
conclusion to retreat, but their retreat is kind of hampered by said airships and the Fire Nation, so they come to the even more difficult decision of splitting the group, as it is decided that Aang and his friends must survive, regardless, to keep hope alive. So they have them escape, the adults, them and the younger uh, people fighting in this war, will escape, and the adults will stay behind and surrender. While they may end up stuck in prison, they feel that they can at least hold out until they are rescued or the war is over. You know, whatever happens first, I guess. So, that is how the episode ends, with the chase kind of beginning anew, as now Zula is kind of needing to to hunt down the Avatar. You know, kind of the premise that was sort of, kind of sort of set up in the second season but never really followed through because she was more kind of hunting Zuko more than anything but yeah Zuko also after confronting his father goes to rescue his uncle to find that his uncle is already gone he escaped himself he broke himself out which I did forget to mention back in which episode was it where is uh episode four Iroh was playing weak. Which episode was that again? Oh, that was Sokka's master. Yeah, so Iroh was playing weak and you know delirious as he he's you know stuck in prison, but he's actually he's actually getting ripped and ready to escape. Now we enter properly the Zuko arc. The Zuko arc is the series of episodes following Black Sun where Zuko joins the group. So uh, da da da. The Zuko arc begins properly with the Western Air Temple. When the gang regroups there, they end up coming across Zuko. Zuko has a cute little scene where he's trying to kind of apologize and, you know, join their group because he has decided that he, he's going to be the one to teach Aang firebending. But he has a lot of trouble actually convincing the group to let him you know, stay and join. So he kind of camps outside away from the temple and he accidentally uh, hurts Toph when she goes to try and talk to him because he, he's a bit jumpy and attacks attacks her. And while she's resting and healing from him accidentally burning her feet, they're attacked by the assassin who he helps defend them against. Um, and the assassin is eventually killed by a feedback explosion. Zuko makes his apologies and once again tries to reintegrate with the the group. And they they let him join to you know teach Aang firebending and whatnot. But of course, Katara is keeping a close eye on him. Then the next Zuko episode is the firebending masters. So this episode is Zuko trying to actually teach Aang and trying to actually figure out how to properly teach Aang as Zuko since he grew up in a very strict household and whatnot only knows how to use intimidation and whatnot as teaching methods so he's having a bit of trouble actually getting through to Aang about about it without actually just straight up scaring him. Toph eventually suggests you know finding a more natural master for both of them because she was taught by the uh, i think badger moles the 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 earthbending the natural earthbenders of uh, nature i guess and so they decide to 
try and seek out seek out dragons uh, after eventually uh, coming to the to conclusion that they should look into that. So they they end up going to this temple thing that's full of all these traps, and they have to try to work together to actually get through and solve the riddles. And they're hoping to get some information from this area, and they come across a big room with the statues kind of showing some movements to do, similar to the uh, like waterbending scrolls that him and Katara had found uh, earlier in the show, but they, they end up accidentally setting off a trap and getting stuck until they are found by kind of a, a like native group to the area who release them and agree to show them kind of some of the secrets of firebending. And what they have to do is they have to take some fire and carry it up a mountain in order to to do the, the thing. They perform the dance that they they had learned and they encounter the dragons who show them kind of what they needed to see to kind of come to a better understanding. It is revealed that Zuko's uncle had claimed that he had killed the last dragon, but he was lying in order to protect uh, this, you know, hidden tribe and the last two dragons, uh, as they had shown him the same secret that he uh, they showed Zuko and Aang. They come to a mutual understanding about, you know, what they need to do going forward, uh, that they both need to to kind of embrace firebending and embrace new purpose moving forward. Or at least Zuko learns that he needs to embrace purpose going forward, and Aang learns that firebending is not destruction, it is just energy, and how you use that energy is uh, whether or not it's destructive. Then we move on to the next episode, which is the second uh, two-parter of this season, The Boiling Rock. So this episode begins as Sokka and Zuko kind of have a a bit of a heart-to-heart about uh, something that, that they feel that they need to do. So they decide to break into the prison to try and get the prisoners out uh, fr- from the invasion. So they, they break in posing as guards to kind of see what's going on and they eventually come across Suki, who I guess has been in prison since since the end of season two, when the when the Kyoshi warriors were were taken down. Uh, Sokka is able to you know talk with her and let her know that they're trying to kind of stage a a prison break of sorts. As things kind of get a bit tense, they decide to break the the cover of one of them in order to kind of solidify the cover of the other so Zuko kind of takes the fall as he's the more recognizable figure and he's able to then kind of instill within the prisoners kind of help form a plan or use their plan in order to to cause a prison break the plan is to kind of use the the cells that kind of like these pods along the outside to use them as kind of boats to kind of go across this bay because boiling rock is this this island surrounded by a boiling lake, which makes it, it, it's supposed to be kind of like Alcatraz kind of thing, where it's supposed to be impossible to escape from. The first prison break attempt is pretty much a failure. 
and the conspirators are caught except for Sokka, who's still able to kind of stay hidden as a guard. They're able to make contact, or he's able to make contact with his father. They have a discussion. One of the conspirators is kind of pumped for information, and Zuko's questioned by May. But eventually a, another prison break is attempted during a riot. At least a handful of people are actually able to escape, though the attempt is almost thwarted by Azula and um, Ty Lee, but May kind of is able to to interfere and help them to escape. Yeah, so they're able to break out Suki and uh, Sokka's dad, along with at least one of the other prisoners. Otherwise, that's uh, that's the Boiling Rock episodes. Then the last of the Zuko arc is the Southern Raiders. So the reason I call this the Zuko arc is because it is the it's when Zuko joins the group and then most of the party members get to have a a Zuko adventure. You know, the Zuko forgiveness tour, I guess, where he helps each team member out in order to to kind of gain their trust and forgiveness. You know, he first he joins the group and technically Toph was the first one to kind of accept him. Then he takes Aang on an adventure, then he takes Sokka on an adventure. This episode is where he takes Katara on an adventure. Basically Katara he he wants to know how to, you know, gain her trust and whatnot. And he's eventually told by Sokka that the best way is to, you know, the main reason that she's holding the grudge is because of what happened to their village and specifically to their mother. And she kind of wants revenge. So Zuko's like, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's let's do the revenge thing. They both go on a bit of a stealth mission hunting down the man who who had killed her mother. They break in, they hunt down ship after ship, and they kind of go from place to place hunting down each lead until they eventually come to a relatively old man who had retired from the army and, you know, had kind of forgotten. And when given the chance to kill him, she spares the old man's life after, you know, chasing him down and trying to retreat. Uh, well, after he tries to retreat and whatnot. Well, yeah, that's pretty much brings an end to the Zuko arc. As we go into the last filler and probably my least favorite episode of the series, uh, besides the beside the beach episode, and that is the Ember Island Players. The Ember Island Players is just, it's literally just a filler episode where they decide to go see a, re a recreation of, you know, the, the events of the show. It's a very odd thing to do at the very end of the show, which is I guess it's a good way to be like, hey, look at how far we've come, and this is how, you know, the world sees the actions that have played through, especially this play specifically being through the lens of the Fire Nation as well. But it kind of recaps the entirety of the show. It's just rough. I mean, it's kind of nice that they're able to kind of sit there and reflect on the choices that they've made and the things that have happened. They bring up the questionable death of Jet and whatnot. And yeah, it's just a bunch of unknowns. And then it sets up for the, the final episode. That's that's kind of pretty much it. It's just kind of a chance for them to reflect. And they kind of end up feeling a bit bad at the end. As the, the play kind of tries to predict what happens at the final battle. And it's just that they, they get defeated. But then we go into the finale. Sozin's Comet. The thing that the show has been building up to... 
this entire time. It, and they decide to go big with it too. It's a big episode, hour and a half. Boy howdy is it long. And also it's a tad everywhere. I, I remember that there was a bit of controversy surrounding the finale as a lot of the quote-unquote, I guess, endgame elements that help Aang to, to come to his final decision they happen now. They, they weren't set up really all that much in the past or anything. They just kind of are given now. Because the, the show kind of just starts with, with them hanging out, relaxing, before they eventually will have to, you know, confront the Fire Lord. And it kind of ends up leading to Aang leaving. He kind of, once again, scarpers off to try and prepare on his own. Or at least that's kind of what the, the group kind of is seeing it as, as him having just kind of disappeared as they follow his footprints and he's just gone. They try to get the the tracker slash, I guess, a bounty hunter from season one to assist in finding him, but they aren't really able to do much. Though it does end up leading them to the White Lotus, which is a secret kind of underground organization that is it's a group without borders without um anything that their whole purpose is to maintain balance essentially ang on the other hand it turns out is just kind of he's trying to figure out what to do so he's asking each of his past lives what they did to solve a similar situation and pretty much the conclusion that everyone is drawing is kill him you, you have to kill him like there, there's no not much choice that you have you're gonna have to kill him eventually not satisfied with this answer he continues his hunt to to uh get the answer that he's wanting <laughs> a way to not kill him he eventually comes across a giant lion turtle who is gonna help him uh the gang uh meanwhile after talking with iroh and boomy and whatnot who are all part of the white lotus they kind of come up with what their plan is basically they're the white lotus crew and whatnot are going to try and take back bossing saying while they continue continue on with uh, their attack plan all the while azula is kind of becoming increasingly unhinged after you know her friends kind of abandoned her and whatnot and she, she's come to the realization that she's not quite as popular as was thought Aang begins his final battle with Fire Lord Ozai, and he does not want to really fight. He's trying his damnedest to, you know, get through to the Fire Lord, but he's having trouble. Uh, Zuko and Katara fight Azula, while Toth and Toth and Sokka kind of try to deal with the airships. But basically, Aang ends up coming to the conclusion that he's not exactly able to... Since he doesn't want to kill the Fire Lord, he must take his powers away. And that's eventually what he's able to do after he pins down the Fire Lord. And he uses his Avatar state in order to help strip the powers away from, from Fire Lord Ozai. Zuko and uh, Katara are able to defeat Azula and lock her away as well. And Toph and Sokka are able to... to to do take take out the airships then there's a nice little semi-epilogue thing where zuko's crowned the new fire lord and there's a whole you know declaration of peace and prosperity to come um and the show ends with katara and ang you know sharing a nice kiss at the very end after this the comic picks up i haven't read the comic yet i i do own a couple of them and i'm, I'm very interested but yeah there is a direct sequel comic to this series overall i think it's a pretty 
good series. Its highest highs and its lowest lows tend to balance each other out, and I think that's why people tend to tend to overall favor the show, is because, you know, while there's a lot of kind of rough filler in each season, the action is really good. It's a nice story that a lot of channels are desperately scared of doing because they're worried it'll hurt their profit margins. And that's kind of a, a well-known industry fact nowadays is that they don't like shows that have like sequential storylines because they can't have that put out into like serialization all that easy or what is it um syndication they can't put it out into syndication all that easy because you kind of have to group episodes together where a, a show that's kind of more slice of lifey where it's just random events kind of happening is a lot easier to feed an audience at random. So that's why shows... And now, that's not to knock some of the qualities of these shows, but it is kind of... These are the kinds of shows that networks are trying to target and, and follow. The shows like Kiff, which is overall a pretty fun show, but there is no overarching plot or anything. It's just random stuff happening. Or, like, Fairly Odd Parents. You know, th those kinds of shows that can can easily be kind of mixed and matched and dropped for like a 30 minute block here or or a full hour block there pretty easily without any worry of you know which episode comes from which season except for with say fairly odd parents where there is those weird moments of of quote-unquote progress happening in the show where oh now there's poof and now foop and then fucking weird talking dog Oh, no, kill the dog, and now it's Chloe. Okay. <laughs> and then that's what eventually ended up killing Fairly Odd Parents is that it started introducing elements that, that are harder to mix and match and also were just bad. But yeah, shows like this are... Networks are scared of because it tells a fairly good story. It has some some kind of slice-of-life moments that you could kind of slot in here and there to the point where sometimes you forget um, which filler episode uh, belongs to what season. So, yeah, it, it ends up being something where you're like, okay, um, sure, whatever. But there there are a lot of positive things happening in the world of Avatar. I mean, obviously, it ended up getting a sequel series um, in The Legend of Korra, which actually is four seasons instead of the three, which is nice. It's getting a sequel, uh, specifically this series is getting a sequel movie following the gang as adults which is something to look forward to as well then they're also supposedly still doing and i hope they actually do it uh, a a kyoshi movie that's been in talks for a while there's two kyoshi books which i own and i need to read and then i think they're doing a the next avatar like after korra i think they're doing something there and then I think they're doing another older Avatar. I'm not entirely sure about that. Don't don't pin that on me. I, I think that they announced something like that. I can't remember, though. But they do have a lot of plans specifically in the animated world to do. Plus, they have the live-action series, which everyone has been kind of anxious about. You know, because this series, the live-action version of the series has had questionable feelings about it for quite a while now because of the fact that the original creators were first on board but then they were sniped by paramount to start working on the animated stuff again and so that kind of 
made the the situation a bit rocky with the live action show. Then, you know, we already knew that they were going to end up cutting out a lot of stuff. So it was a big question of whether or not they were actually going to include a lot of the things. Plus there's the massive blight on the idea of a live action Avatar series from the 2010 movie. You know, it, it's a lot of questionable things. But I will still give it a fair shake. Just as I did with the Percy Jackson live action TV show, I shall give the Avatar live action TV show a shot as well. Even though it doesn't really have the original creator's approval and they are cutting out a lot of things about it, I'm still going to give it a fair shake because it's it's kind of the right thing to do when, when new media is coming out. It's to at least give it a, a bit of a fair shot. But yeah, what's next for Avatar for us? Well, said live action series. The live action series comes out on February 22nd. I will not be doing it for the following week as the next three weeks for this channel are Dune. So much Dune. It lets it get all sandy. Because next week is the Dune book, followed by Dune Part 1. So the latest version of Dune, the Dune Part 1. And then Dune Part 2 the following week. Then finally after that, will we start to tackle Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1. Uh, the live action Season 1. Then after that, uh, I'm going to do something a bit fluffy for myself. We will talk about that as it gets closer. Other than that, something I kind of meant to mention a bit earlier than now, but I kind of just, I started rolling straight into the episode, is I will be having an announcement. It's, it's an announcement announcement, but later this week or at the beginning of the next episode, I'm not entirely sure which, I will be releasing a bit of an announcement as to something that's going to be happening soon. And, yeah. And for once, it actually is, you know, revolving around the channel and whatnot. Uh, instead of, you know, like, oh, you know, I might maybe be doing something down the line. Now, this time I'm I'm definitively doing a thing. I will be making an announcement soon, either this week or next week, but it's going to be very soon. So look forward to that. And yeah, I just have to iron out a few more details about that. And then I'll, I'll make the announcement to, uh, to, to what's going on. But with that said, yeah, what else is going on in the world of Avatar for us? Well, after we've now that we've finished this, of course, again, like I said, we will be doing the live action bit, but we will also eventually, keyword there is eventually, we will start to tackle Korra. The hope for that is to maybe either start Korra at the very least before the new stuff starts, like the new animated stuff starts rolling out. Or we will um, try to do all of it before the new animation stuff starts rolling out. We'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling uh, as things start kind of rolling out. Because, yeah, if, if plans go well, I'm going to be packed out with a bunch of stuff. So we'll see what's going on. But anyway, with all of that said, thank you guys so much for listening. We finally did it. We, we tackled all of uh, the... 
original Avatar, The Last Airbender series. Oh boy. <laughs> took took a while to get through them all. But yes. It's like one of the only series I actually like tried to take notes on. It's funny. But anyway, with that said, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this, feel free to give it a like, comment, and subscribe. If you are listening to this on YouTube, or if you are listening to this on any podcast catcher of your choice, feel free to rate and review the episode. Also, share it with your friends. You know, sp- spread the love, spread the word. But with that said, once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week with Dune the Book. Goodbye.